Now on Cape Ham 860, the marriage team is at your service. We've only just begun to live White lace and promises A kiss for luck and we're on our way Few things are more complicated than getting relationships right. And here are marriage coaches Al and Autumn Ray to empower you for a winning marriage. Welcome to Marriage Team. This is Coach Al, and I'm here in the studio with Coach Autumn, and we have two special guests today. We're going to be talking about the subject of abuse and all of the many forms of that. And today in the studio with us, we have Brad Peterson, who's a licensed mental health uh, counselor and a native of the Northwest. He's been practicing and working with victims of abuse and uh, people that are involved in abuse for several years now. He has a certified, uh, highest level of certification in the state of Washington to treat uh, perpetrators of domestic violence, and he created special curriculum for both men and women uh, as part of an abuse prevention program. So we're really glad to have Brad here. So Brad, uh, welcome. Thank you. Our other guest is uh, Yolanda Crowley, and she is a women's care minister, pastor, uh, at Living Hope Church, and she's a domestic violence victims advocate. So she has a lot of experience in this area as well, and we're glad to have you here with us today, Yolanda. So thank, thank you. you. So today we're going to be talking about uh, abuse and all of the many ramifications of abuse. Um, so, Brad, what um, if you had to define abuse for our listeners so they really had a good handle on what we're going to be talking about, what kind of definition would you give them, a working definition? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's important to understand that, uh, first of all, what we're talking about is not individual acts of abuse. Um, that's not necessarily the definition that's going to work uh, to help in this area in terms of intervention and, and help for uh, people that are struggling with this. Um, a lot of the different definitions, I mean, I've got one here from the Oregon Domestic Violence Council, for instance, that uh, emphasizes that it's a pattern of coercive behavior. Um, used by one person to control and subordinate another in an intimate relationship. And then it goes on to explain that those behaviors can include, and this is where we get really broad, it can include physical, sexual, psychological, economic, even spiritual, animal abuse, child abuse. Um, these tactics of coercion um, can include you know, terrorism, degradation, exploitation, and physical violence, of course. Um, they're used to endanger or engender uh, fear, in the victim in order to enforce compliance. So it's really um, a definition that involves intent. So the compliance, it's really its really a manner of control. It's a controlling kind of behavior that the perpetrator uses in the relationship. Yes, and sometimes even unwittingly, un- unknowingly to himself or even sometimes herself that it's uh, really about a power struggle or power over perspective. So what would cause a person to... Um, have that need to control a relationship like that? Well, that's where you get into, you know, various perspectives that would have different answers for that. Um, you know, some people believe that it's uh, just a blatant um, desire for power, um, you know, in and of itself. Um, those of us that have worked with uh, many abusive men, I've done so for eight years now, um, believe that it's it's a little more complicated and complex than that. Um, you know, and, and in no way... 
just our approach. Uh, many of the providers and uh, people that I work with um, wouldn't at all, you know, uh, validate the or uh, you know support the abuse in any way. But we're understanding working with the perpetrators themselves. Um, you may have heard the adage, you know, hurt people hurt others, um, but that often can be used as an excuse or or a justification for violence, particularly against women. Um, so we're we're really high on accountability. But to answer your question, um, that that there's usually a fear of vulnerability, a fear of intimacy, a, a fear of particularly emotional vulnerability that would cause somebody to look outside of themselves and, and attempt to control another person or a situation. Right. Well, you know, Brad, I'm just wondering how important is it that someone understand the why uh, of what they're doing? Right. That's a great question. Um, because in our in our intervention programs, we deal with uh, you know the number one goal is that the abuse stop. Um, that the the really the secondary aspect of it is that they discover why. But that's more their own journey to continue the behavior of nonviolence, non coercion. Um, and sometimes they may not even get that answer totally why. So I think your question is good because it you know for for the victims it it really doesn't matter. I mean mm-hmm. not to sound course, but it's, you know, it just, it really doesn't matter. Right. It's the behavior change that counts. Right. Yeah. And and I, I would just add to that, that, um, one of the issues that I see mostly with women is that they get so caught up in the why he is behaving this way. Mm-hmm. And, and ultimately that just continues to make, uh, the situation more what they call crazy making for her because she is trying to figure him out and why he's doing what he's doing. So it just furthers the, the, the crazy making cycle for her. And in, in addition to that, not only is she trying to figure him out, but my understanding is she's also feeling like she's responsible exactly. for it. Mm-hmm. So, exactly. So she's trying to figure it out and she's blaming herself. Right. Because he's blaming her. And that's part of the whole cycle. I mean, there, we, we haven't got into that aspect of it yet, but it is part of the cycle where, where blame is a big part of an abusive tactic. I would say it's one of the, the number one aspects of, of certainly a verbally abusive relationship where blame is, is how he has or she has power over the individual. Right. So, Brad, you'd mentioned that hurt people hurt others. And is is that a sort of a general kind of thing that people of abusers or people that are abused are often become abusers? Is, is there a generational cycle that, that uh, comes along with that? Or is that not really related at all? Well, I mean, I think statistically um, there is a certain percentage. I mean, I don't have that right here in front of me, but um, certainly that can play into it. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, we're finding is you know people men will abuse um, for a variety of reasons. Right. Um, some are you know just criminally oriented. Um, you know for just where they will abuse anyone that gets in their way of their goals. And so whereas they pop up so to speak on the on the radar of domestic violence, it's not really that they have any particular you know um, reason. They just they, you know if somebody stands in their way, they'll abuse them. Um, but I guess, you know, and more probably in our audience and what we're going to be focusing on, like in, you know, through marriage team and some of the couples that you might be seeing, it's, um, you know, any, some other reasons. I mean, so um, I was going to ask you, we keep talking about men doing the abusing. Yeah. What's the percentage, if you know, of women who do the abusing in a relationship? Yeah, that's, that's an often asked 
question. It depends on what, how and, and you define abuse. Um, well, I liked what you said about the pattern mm-hmm. of degradation and, and those things over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you can think, there's probably marriages that you can think of where a man feels um, emasculated or um, marginalized in the relationship. There might be a lot of power in, like, for instance, a female's family, a family of origin, so a man maybe feels underpowered, um, under, you know, listened to and understood in a relationship. Um, and, and, and then you have the relationships where, you know, obviously the opposite is true. And I think what we need to look at, like, um, the difference between, you know, let's say anger management versus, uh, domestic violence, um, that there's often power involved and we just kind of have to acknowledge that, uh, in our culture and society, um, men have, some inherent privileges that women just don't have that they're, sometimes they're not aware of. And so there just comes with being born a male, being in a relationship that you have more power uh, physically, uh, a lot, you know, obviously economically, the statistics are still you know, heavily in favor of men. And so you have these. And also culturally. And culturally, right. right. You, know, uh, you know, a white male in particular is a very privileged right. you know, position to have in our culture. So men often will use that and not even realize it, that, and so that's why we can um, more, you know, more readily and easily def- see it in men because they often use the, you know, it's, it's the abuse of power that really is the issue. And women just by and large don't have, you know, mm-hmm. inherently that kind of power to be able to use in a coercive manner. But there could but, be people listening out there who really may be physically abused by a woman in the mm-hmm. household. So what we're talking about today, will it also apply to that type of abuse? Yes. Women can use the same kind of program. Right. Well, women, yeah, what we often find now with women, um, there's a term called secondary aggression, which Mm -hmm. really captures kind of what most um, women, uh, if they use forms of violence or control or, um, you know, these tactics, it's generally to gain power that they've lost. So they're trying to get back up to a level of power so they have a voice, they have a say, they have an opinion, they have, you know, they're seeking equality, generally most of them. What men will often do is use their power to subordinate and keep their women in that secondary role, that secondary position. And so it's it's not that either one could, or not that neither one could use power, misuse power, but it's why. Again, for a lot of men, it's to keep her in her place. Mm -hmm. Whereas most women's motive, if you really speak to them, it's just to try and get heard and understood. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't want to necessarily dominate or control or subordinate. I, I do think it's a matter of equality. I think I think that a lot of women, um, especially the secondary abuser uh, situation, is is really finally a woman gets to a place in a lot of situations where she gets to a place where she feels like um, she's she's no longer wanting to be silent. And so in order for her to overcome the silence, she she then takes on the behavior of the actual abuser, it, almost a, a theory of if it works for him, it's going to work for me. Right. Interesting. So, Yolanda, you have you've got involved in this and it seems like a, a really um, emotional, very difficult uh, ministry and work to do with women. What got you involved in in being a domestic violence victims advocate? <laughs> well, I am a survivor, and I think that is mainly and my my survival started young in my childhood. Uh, my dad was an abuser, 
and um, and unfortunately that kind of carried out through my life and so I really decided um, when I was very young that I that I wasn't going to be a person that was involved in that type of thing however it it became a part of my life and so um, I really do feel like what ended up happening was God took what was bad in my life um, turned it around um, a lot of incredible knowledge came to me really by the power of the Holy Spirit and started to lead me in the direction that I needed to go to have a healthy home. And, um, and that is, uh, became my life work basically at this point, and, and that is helping women get healthy. Um, yeah. Well, that's, that's wonderful. And we're going to be hearing a little bit more about that and the, the knowledge and the work that you've done as a result of your own experience there. Mm-hmm. We're going to be taking a break here, and when we come back, we will be opening up the, the line for calls. Um, So we're asking if you would like to uh, talk to Brad or Yolanda, you can call us at 503-225-0860. That's 503-225-0860. If you are a former or current client of Brad's, we ask that you not call at this time, and those would be taken uh, um, at a later time. Now more of the marriage team. Coaches Al and Autumn Ray on KPAM 860. Welcome back to Marriage Team. We're in the audience with uh, Brad Peterson, a licensed counselor, and Yolanda Crowley, who works with domestic violence victims as an advocate. And we're talking about abuse today and domestic violence. So we started off by just talking about it in general terms. But as we come back here, let's talk uh, about what it really looks like. How would a listener be able to discern if they were in an abusive relationship? How how does that feel? What should they be looking for to really see if it's more than just being angry with one another, if it is that really manipulative, controlling kind of relationship that we were talking about? Right. And what I encourage uh, people to do is, um, you know, a big aspect of what allows this issue to thrive, unfortunately, is the, the level of denial. Yolanda mentioned that during the break, that we have to do is really take an inductive rather than a deductive approach. So saying, okay, well, what is my relationship? What does it look like? And am I or am I not in an abusive type of relationship rather than, oh no, I'm not in an abusive relationship. So this doesn't apply to me. So some of the things that uh, I have, like in a brochure, for instance, um, it's it's certainly available to folks if they want to email in, we'll give that later. But uh, things like um, put downs, name calling, explicit inferiority um, comments, threatening gestures or throwing things, driving dangerously, monitoring or policing others' behavior, yelling, screaming, swearing, threats, damaging property or pets, a silent treatment or dismissing others' opinions, jealousy, preventing or limiting friendships, controlling outside activities or spending or travel, um, any unwanted physical or sexual uh, contact, pushing, spitting, grabbing, choking, public or private humiliation, and exploiting of others' faults or weaknesses. Um, those are just some of the ways that it can manifest itself. Um, there's different you know, examples of categories, um, and a lot of these I just gave are illustrations of different categories. But it can, again, think, keep in mind the definition, it's a pattern of coercive behavior. So it can manifest itself, you know, physically, verbally, psychologically, economically, through property, through sexual abuse. And then what we'll be talking about more of the covert rather than these overt uh, behaviors is is the element of control. 
and uh, Yolanda will be speaking to that a little a little bit later. Um, but I think it's just important that we establish that you may be in an abusive relationship um, and not even really knowing it. Right. I think I think the biggest part of it is is really like Brad was saying, coming to terms with the reality. Uh, because so often, I think in abusive relationships, uh, the way of survival is is denial. Um, so to survive it, you go to a place of, of being in denial. But that ultimately just uh, just uh, continues uh, the cycle for herself, the crazy cycle within herself. One of the things that I found really helpful was um, I had read somewhere um, all of the um, the, well, the following questions that I'll read. Um, do you feel afraid of your partner much of the time? Uh, avoid certain topics out of fear for angering your partner? Do you feel that you can't do anything right for your partner? Do you, f- do you believe that you deserve to be hurt or, d- or mistreated? Or do you wonder if you're the one who's crazy? Um, and that's just, that's just a f- small synopsis of if you can answer yes to these questions, then it's then there's a very good possibility that you're in an abusive relationship to some degree. Those are just great questions. I know recently someone said, well, I didn't even realize that I was in an abusive relationship until one of my friends pointed out that this is the way he talks to you all the time. And then she started thinking about it. And so those questions would have been absolutely wonderful for her to listen to. And the other part about the denial, um, why do you think people do that denial again they're they're they really do believe it's their fault and if if they faced up to it they might be at fault well i think part of it's just it's so encompassing because there's so much to it and and um, but but i think one of the main things is that um the denial if if you deny it then in some ways it's not actually happening oh okay you know so then you can continue with the 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 perfect marriage and wedding and all of that mm-hmm. stuff that you believed in, um, which could very well come true someday at some time. But in order to really face it, you have to say, okay, I'm not in that type of marriage. I don't have that type of relationship with my mate. And if I don't have that, then what is it that I really do have? And that's a really difficult question um, and coming to terms with that. So again, I just wanted to open the phone lines and let you know that uh, give us a call um, for more information or to tell us your story, 503-225-0860, toll-free 877-774-5726. And I'm sure that Yolanda or Brad would love to hear from you. Yeah, one of the uh, resources that we do have available here in the Portland-Vancouver area is an organization called Abuse Recovery Ministry and Services. Um, their website um, has a abuse test um, with many of the questions, or more of the questions that Yolanda was uh, citing there. Um, their website's ARMS Online, because their acronym is A-R-M-S. So it's A-R-M-S Online dot O-R-G. Um, and they, you can go there and, and read about their programs they have here in this area. They deal with... Uh, survivors and victims as well as perpetrators. You know, I did want to say there are probably people listening who are the victims, but I don't want to forget the people out there who are listening that might think, oh my goodness, maybe I am an abuser and I didn't even realize I was an abuser. So that same website, I believe, is a really good 
website for them. And let me just talk to you guys out there. You know, we're here to offer you hope. You don't have to stay in a relationship like that. You can change your life. That's what the marriage team is all about. And that's why we've invited these special guests here today who are the experts in this particular field. So let us offer you hope. Pick up that telephone and give us a call. You do not have to stay in that kind of a relationship. If you're the abuser or if you're being abused, there's hope for both of you out there. Very well spoken, because there is, and I think that was what uh, Yolanda was sharing with me, is that that's what she talks to women all about, that there's hope for change. Absolutely. But, but you, it takes courage to make the change. It takes courage, absolutely. It's a journey, and, and, it's, and, and it's a journey that is well, um, it's worth the, the, the work. However, um, part of coming to terms with your, with your uh, abusive situation is once you start on that journey and you start to come to the realization that this is a part of my life, there, there's a lot that goes along with it. I mean, there's, there's actual a mourning period that takes place because now I have to face the fact that um, I'm, I'm not in what I, I, I originally wanted to be in. Um, but the good news is, is and, and I'll go back to what the Lord put on my heart initially was, with him and really putting God at the center, all things are possible. All things with God, having God as the center of your relationship, and 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 allowing Him to rebuild the foundation. And there's many steps that can take place to do that. Um, absolutely, there's hope. Um, there's hope for a, a, a healthy, loving marriage for two people who really want to work toward that. For our listeners, if anybody is interested in reading a story. Uh, about that. Uh, Dr. Gary Chapman has written a great book. It's called Desperate Marriages. And uh, in it, he gives principles for reality living. And he talks about various desperate marriages. And marriages that he talks about specifically are, uh, he has examples of abusive marriages and what it takes for the the victim to make change and the courage it takes and how it's just extremely unlikely that a victim can do it on their own. Absolutely. They need they need counseling, they need help, they need encouragement, they need a support system that will map out what they need to do in order to do that. So that's a great resource for, for our listeners. And I know Yolanda and, and Brad will be sharing other resources as we go on in the show. Yeah, well, one I, of the things you mentioned, Al, I'm sorry, Autumn, one of the things that you mentioned was um, the element of change. I think in my own personal situation, um, that was one of the things that I really needed to come to terms with. Um, and, and Brad and I have talked in pretty good detail about this. And that is, I had to come to a place where I decided that change for my life, I'm talking about Yolanda, for my life, ch- I was in charge of change. It was something that I had to take personal. I could no longer look at my abuser and say, you know, it's your fault. You have to do this. You have to do that. I had to decide that I have to take take the um uh, the bull by the horn, if you will, and and wrestle it down within my own life, within my own desire to have change in my life. And that does, uh, again, getting getting a little far ahead, but that does include taking really healthy steps to have a, a change in your life. Yeah. I think it's important to add at this point, lest our listeners be given the impression that, you know, a woman is, is responsible to change the relationship uh, or to change the abuse in the relationship. I think that, you know, either party in any given difficult marriage can say, okay, I, I'm not going to live this way anymore and things need to change. Um, but let's be very clear that the abuser 
needs to take responsibility 100% for their abuse. Absolutely. And, and that that's where, you know, the, the intervention work that we do with the men begins is that this is absolutely no blaming. It doesn't matter if she has made unhealthy choices, if she's been violent, if she's, you know, nagging or, or a poor housekeeper, whatever, that if you've been abusive or become abusive, that is entirely on you. So the same kind of message actually goes to the men in my program, for instance, that they must take full accountability and responsibility and understand that they can change themselves regardless of their partner's willingness to even stay in the relationship or, you know. Right, change. and that get really it gets down to the basic principle that the only person we can change is ourselves. Absolutely. And all a spouse can do is to create an environment for the other party to uh, encourage change. We're going to be taking a break here, and when we come back, we are opening the lines to uh, calls for uh, Brad and Yolanda, 503-225-0860. That's 503-225-0860. Back to the marriage coaches who can help you achieve a winning marriage team. It's coaches Al and Autumn Ray on KPAM 860. You're coming back to Marriage Team on the other side of break. I'm Coach Autumn. I'm here with my husband, Coach Al. We have two very special guests with us in the studio today talking about a very important subject, abuse. And we have Brad Peterson here, a a licensed counselor, and Yolanda Crowley, who works with women who are in abusive situations. And when we went to break, Yolanda, you were telling people that they don't have to do this alone. Mm-hmm. They can have a support group or go to get help. And and you yourself had given us kind of a little testimony of, of your journey. And I was just wondering, where did you go and how did you seek help? Maybe you could uh, help some of our listeners. Sure. Well, initially, um, I really do feel like God led me to get more information, um, to find out, you know, what it was that was taking place in my life, because I really honestly didn't know. I thought... In my life, I thought abuse was simply, uh, not simply, but physical. Uh, If I wasn't being, you know, beat up, then it wasn't abuse. Um, But I knew that that wasn't true. Somehow I knew that that wasn't the truth. I do believe that was God. So I started to search around and uh, did an Internet search for uh, for for counselors of uh, domestic violence. And actually Brad Peterson came up and I gave him a call and him and I had a wonderful conversation um, about abuse. And um, he was just, he was just really reassuring that um, a, there is hope and, and change does happen, but also reassuring to me as the victim that um, it really wasn't my fault. And that I, that the best thing that I could do for myself was to get informed and um, he did lead me to the book, um, The Verbally Abusive Relationship, which I found to be an incredible resource for myself um, to actually um, speak to me in a way that I understood what was taking place in my life. Um, so, yeah. Well, great. Thanks. So, um, Brad, I know that you have a group. What, what's it called? What's the name of your program? Well, I have, uh, it's called A New Man a Abuse new man. Prevention Program. It's under... A new life Christian counseling. And so tell us a little bit about what guys could expect if they were, I don't know, we have somebody listening out there that says, you know, I'm recognizing myself. If I go to Brad, what's going to happen to me? Mm-hmm. Well, we bring them into a, uh, a dark room and shock them with shock <laughs> therapy to begin with. That's <laughs> of course not it. Does it work? <laughs> <laughs> no, we found that it's lawsuits, but uh, no, seriously. Um, well, 
typically and unfortunately, a majority of our referrals come through the court system. Mm-hmm. Um, many of the men that I see had no, you know, you could have asked them five years ago, you know, would you ever end up in jail for domestic violence? I mean, they would just laugh. Um, but unfortunately, this is an issue that escalates um, and will get worse if not dealt with, uh, particularly as a, a victim gets informed and begins to, you know, maybe set boundaries or say this is not okay um, or uh, leaves, begins to separate or, or, you know, staying with family or separating. Violence uh, tends to escalate. Mm-hmm. So many of our men come through the court system that they're um, mandated to complete a domestic violence perpetrator treatment program in the state of Washington. In Oregon, it's called Batterer's Intervention, um, and there are varying tre- treatment lengths in each state. Um, and then I've got another group of, uh, of folks who have come through um, like organizations like Your Own Marriage Team, and then um, there's also um, Dr. Bob Whidden up in Vancouver has been educated in this regard, and when he picks up that there's been... Uh, you know, domestic violence or, or this power and control issue, then he'll refer often the men to me. And what I try to do is, um, you know, I guess for lack of a better term, sell the men on the concept that only they can change themselves and that this program is for them. So I don't call it perpetrator treatment or batter intervention with them. I simply say it's, you know, for Christian men who want to overcome abusive and controlling behavior. And it's pretty easy when you talk facts, you know, throwing things. Have you ever kicked anything in anger? Have you ever yelled at your children or yelled at your wife or done any of those behaviors? Typically they'll say yes, because there's less resistance to admitting they have an anger problem. And they're very forthright in saying, yes, I'm frustrated, I'm angry because, and then then fill in the blame statement there. So I can often get them to say, okay, well, did that help your situation or did that hurt your situation and they typically are honest and admit, well, it didn't help. Um, whether they got arrested or not, it, it just made things really difficult. So I try to, you know, let them know that, hey, you know, we can't necessarily save your marriage. Um, you know, um, that that's going to take both of you working hard. But uh, what I can do is help you not do those things anymore and feel pretty confident that we've got a program for you. And um, so when the men come into the program, it's a group-based program, although I offer individual counseling for the men as well, but that's more in a supportive role to the group because many of their problems are relational. Um, the group environment allows that, that, that dynamic to come out and be addressed even within the group. And other men that they perceive as peers are able to speak into their life, which is often pretty effective. Um, and so they have a, a, generally it's about a one-year curriculum. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and program that they go through, and we can get into details of that, or you can go to the my website has quite a bit of information on it as well. Yeah, why don't you what give is that website? website? We want the name of the website. Sure. We? Yes, <laughs> it's uh, well, like I said, the name of the the counseling agency that I started is A New Life Christian Counseling. So the website's a n l c c dot com, or you can just Google A New Life, you know, Vancouver or A New Life Portland, and it comes up. But we do have uh, both uh, a men's program and a woman's program, there are um, about, I was telling Alan before the show, you know, five to 10% of uh, domestic violence situations uh, that require intervention where the woman has become violent. So we do have a women's program for perpetrators. Right. Now you said it's a Christian uh, centered, but Mm -hmm. do you see people of all faiths and of no faith? as well or yeah yes what we do is we the the program itself is designed to meet the needs of those who identify as christian and have a need either from the court or from their relationship or from a pastor or someone else 
and they uh, they come in um, to complete that program. And it's designed, like I said, for a Christian, although we do have, particularly through the court system, non-Christian or even people of other faiths or no faith. But they understand that they have a choice of providers and that we're offering a Christian approach. I, right. I'm looking at the brochure and I see a phone number there, too. Is it OK if people call that phone number that's listed in there? Yeah, the one that uh, is best to get in touch with our program um, is uh, Greg Goostry is a um, a master's level counselor that I have on staff that does a lot of the intakes and things. So his number is 360-773-4715. And that would be to get into the abuse prevention program. Yeah, let me just repeat that in case somebody's right. writing it down. 360-773-4715. And as I was listening to you talk about empowering men to look at their own lives and take the power back, it, I was thinking about this abuse situation is all about power, how greater the power they could have if they were to change their lives in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's phenomenal to to experience, you know, firsthand or I guess secondhand in this case, yes. uh, some of the changes in men's lives and then therefore in their relationship. Um, you know, it's a tragic work as well because not all the men make those required changes mm-hmm. or their marriage has been fractured so badly that, you know, she's just not responding even to his, you know, seeming change. Well, and, and I just think of our own relationship. When I am angry with Autumn, I, I don't feel good about it. I mean, that isn't why I got married to be mad and upset with my spouse. Thank you. So, <laughs> so I mean, it, just think if, if I, I'm thinking if it was a pervasive pattern, how unhappy I'd be. Yeah. I mean, it is so much nicer when we're getting along and things are going good. And I know that in some cases I contribute to it. So it is it is just, I mean, it, it feels good to have things going well. Right. And to know that that I can make that happen or at least contribute to that and be a part of that, it just makes me feel really good. Yeah. So, I mean, to some level, I have a real sympathy for guys that are always angry. I mean, who wants to be angry all the time? I mean, that's yeah. miserable. When, you know, the trainer this last week, I went to some uh, ongoing education. He said, you know, what you find these men are not happy campers, Mm-mm. you know, and, and uh, St- you're familiar with Stephen Stosny's work, right. another great resource to learn about this issue. You know, he said it's uh, men that are in emotional turmoil. They've got a lot of maybe self-loathing, a lot of their own abuse, maybe victim issues from childhood or um, from whatnot. And, and, and what they do is they project their emotional turmoil onto their spouse or their children or their coworkers or other drivers for that matter. And so what you see is almost like a, like if I was hungry and I tried to get you to eat to make me feel better, it's the same kind of dynamic that I'm, I'm in misery. Mm -hmm. If you could just do this or not do this, then I would be happy. And it, it, it just it, doesn't work. It never works. <clears throat> and you mentioned Stephen Stosny. And for our listeners, uh, his website is CompassionPower.com. That's CompassionPower.com. We're going to take a break here. And when we come back, we will be uh, wrapping this up, but giving you additional hope uh, for change and talking about the specific things that you can do uh, if you are in an abusive uh, relationship. Help for your marriage is right here with coaches Alan Autumn Ray, the marriage team on KPAM 860. Welcome back to Marriage Team. And we've been talking about abuse. And as we uh, finish this last segment, we're going to be talking about the cycle of abuse and what you can do about it. And Yolanda, you were talking about it on break. So could you share with our listeners a little bit about that cycle that you talked about? Sure. 
Um, the, the cycle abuse, and this is just one of one of the cycles that we have. I mean, they, they are set up differently, um, but they're all they all basically have the same outcome. And I'm just going to read from a will that we have. Um, um, the first at the top of the will, if you could imagine this, is is the actual abuse. Um, when the abuse takes place, whether it, whatever uh, type of abuse it is, where it's verbal, physical, whatever, um, after that comes guilt. After after the abuse. Um, after the violence, the abuser may have um, feelings of guilt, uh, not normal guilt for having hurt someone, but just guilt of, of the fact that he may get caught or she. Uh, rationalization, just rationalizing the behavior. Um, and then comes normal behavior or what you would consider normal behavior. Um, and that is just kind of the honeymoon period where everything's good and, and, and fine. And then after that comes what they call the case building period in which the, the abuser begins to build his case against his partner, um, doing, you know, um, just almost planning the attack. And this may be subconscious, but it's, it's definitely there. And then, of course, the planning stage of where it's actually how is, how is it going to um, come to uh, fruition. And then the setup stage, the abuser will create a control situation in which the victim has no choice but to react in a way uh, that will, in the abuser's mind, justify the abuse, and then, again, the abuse. So what I have found in my own particular situation, uh, when I looked at this uh, the cycle of abuse, it was just empowering to me, or, or, or just uh, mind-boggling to me, to read this and realize that this was definitely a part of what my life looked like. Um, it, it definitely followed this will. And I think, from what you just shared, it's... You don't understand it until you get the knowledge about it. Exactly. But once you understand the cycle and you say, oh, my goodness, mm-hmm. that's exactly what's happening that's to me. That's exactly, yeah. Then you recognize it. And and at that point, what moved you to action? Do you remember? Any, was there any specific thing that moved you to? And you said you went online and you started looking up counselors and that's where you found Brad. But what was there anything that clicked and all of a sudden said, I've got to do something? I just remember feeling like I just wasn't myself anymore. There, it was like there was no Yolanda left. Um, and and in that, I felt like I was an incapable mother. I, I was an incapable Christian, if you will. I was just incapable. And I just knew, um, honestly, um, again, from God, that that wasn't what he had intended. Um, and I really felt like he was speaking to my spirit and letting me know that that's not what marriage is supposed to look like. Right. So, Yeah. Okay, so that's, I mean, that information is just huge in understanding what it is for our listeners that might be in that kind of situation. So if somebody's listening and, you know, we hear these kind of questions, should a couple or a woman who's experiencing this, should they call a marriage counselor uh, for counseling, for couple counseling? The answer to that question is no. (laughs) Okay, could you elaborate? Um, Well, the reason why is that, like, for instance, I went through a master's level um, counseling course in the state of Oregon, and uh, there was not a course on domestic violence. It's rarely even mentioned in the in the curriculum. I mean, you you study conflicted families. I remember at a, even a non counseling uh, uh, master's program that I I went through. Um, I saw one presentation um, during a course of a semester on domestic violence. Um, Alice Moody, in fact, here in the local area came and did a presentation. That was my first introduction to domestic violence, even as an issue. So many counselors, uh, unfortunately have not been trained to recognize this. They don't have the information or read the books or interact in the way that we do with this issue. Um, 
And so to go to a, a couple's counselor um, is sometimes, um, or well, more often than not, detrimental to the relationship mm-hmm. and actually puts the victim at further risk mm-hmm. and, and causing her to feel more crazy because mm-hmm. the assumption is that we're working collaboratively towards goals. We both admit we each have issues. Mm-hmm. But if you have an abuser in the relationship, that's part of the definition of the abuse. It's the unwillingness or the inability even to look at themselves. So what's happening, it sounds like, is that in the counseling scenario, um, the, the woman feels safe and may say things that then she's going to pay the price for when she gets out of the counseling situation, and there's no control at that point. Right. So she's actually provoking the situation and probably making it worse. Correct, and that could be her emotional safety, but then it could get, you know, even more difficult, I mean, obviously more escalated to physical. So... So for those for those of you that might be listening, um, we've given you some resources, and let me just uh, mention those resources again. Um, if you would uh, like to get in touch with Brad, um, you can check out the website at uh, anlcc.com for a new life Christian counseling.com, anlcc.com. You could also call 360 360- Seven seven three four seven one five. That's three six zero seven seven three four seven one five. For those of you that might like to connect with Yolanda, uh, you can reach her via her email at Yolanda. That's Y O L A N D A at livinghopechurch.com. It's Yo- actually Yolanda C at livinghopechurch.com. Oh, I'm glad you corrected that, uh, Yolanda C at livinghopechurch.com. Thank you, Yolanda. Yeah, for those in the Portland area, um, a good resource, of course, is ARMS yes. online. The other one is Allies in Change. That's A-L-L-I-E-S-I-N-C-H-A-N-G-E.com. And they're a, um, a domestic violence um, educator. You know, they're, they're an agency that uh, has domestic violence educators. And, it, you know, it's not the end of the world for a couple to initially go in together, but the idea would be that then the abuse would be identified and then the abuser would be given the opportunity to work on their issues um, through the programs that are provided. Right. Well, and I think one of the things yeah. that um, that I found when I was trying to get help for myself was there, there are a lot of ill um, people who are just not informed. They're not informed. They don't have any of the information, including pastors. I mean, they just do not know how to deal with this situation. So one of the things is taking responsibility and doing the homework to find out, do they have the background um, that would help support your situation in domestic violence? Right. You know, Brad, I noticed on your website that um, you do have a whole page on resources. It's right up on the menu, and it has the ones you've mentioned, but it also has several others as well. And that will be growing, too, here. Yes. Yes. So feel free to um, check out those resources on uh, the website. Uh, Well, you've been listening to Marriage Team, and we have been glad you've been with us. Uh, This is an important topic, and uh, you've been listening to a couple of experts in the area that have devoted their Uh, work to focusing on abuse victims and uh, the abusers to try and help create strong, healthy marriages. Thank you for joining us. 